Hey, Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that. And you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' plethora of in- new injuries. Uh, we'll break down the matchups for the Cincinnati Bengals Week 3 game. And then we'll talk a little bit more about Miles Sanders and why he is the key, in my opinion, to turning this season around. Chris, how are you doing today? Not bad, Mike. Not bad at all. I feel like... um. I'm halfway to my medical degree with the rash of injuries that have been going on here with this team, but uh, I'm, looking f- I'm looking forward. I'm excited about talking about this team because there's so many things to really delve into it, it that that our podcast, we, we can go on for days about it, the way everything's going on. Yeah, I mean, look, so let's start off with the big news off the top. Jalen Rager has a UCL in tear in his thumb that's similar to the injury that Drew Brees had last year where he missed five games and had to have minor surgery. Now, that said, Jalen Rager is expected to miss a few weeks of action. He's probably going to be put on IR. There's reports out there that he could miss maybe three weeks. There's reports out there that he could miss all the way up until the bye week, which would be in you know early to mid-November. Either way, not a great look, uh, not a great you know situation for the Eagles, who just put starting left guard Isaac Samalu on injured reserve, he's not expected to miss the entire season, but again, he's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, special teams ace Rudy Ford is considered week to week with a groin injury. I saw him on the sideline uh, on Sunday getting worked out on the trainer's table, and he was in an immense amount of pain. So, you know, the Eagles are kind of, they're pretty light at wide receiver. Uh, oh, and by the way, day to day, uh, for Fletcher Cox, who's got an abdomen injury, that's kind of major news as well. Um, he actually graded out very well uh, by Pro Football Focus this past game against the Rams. I know a lot of people have been uh, kind of curious about his performance lately, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, some other news. Uh, the Eagles promoted cornerback uh, Trevor Williams from the practice squad. He played two snaps against the Rams as a practice squad, a weekly elevation. Uh, Now the Eagles have five healthy corners on the roster. That's good, I guess, especially when you consider that Rudy Ford's probably going to miss some time. Um, And then as we reported on Eagles Extra on Wednesday, they also signed Marcus Green, who's had like two other since with the Eagles practice squad uh, to the practice roster. So a lot of moving, uh, coming and going, a lot of injuries welcome to to broad street uh anyway chris uh what are your thoughts on the rager injury what are your thoughts on just the injuries in general well generally when you talk about a rookie wide receiver you know it takes a little bit of time for them to go ahead and get acclimated to the offense and everything but i think his loss is going to be a lot bigger than people think he was primarily used in the middle of the field so when it came to go ahead along with Goddard and Ertz in the middle of the field like they were that was Carson's it seemed like the one area he was truly focusing on for most of the season so far so the loss of that is going to be big on there I think also you lose the biggest thing I think you lose though is his speed 
it, you can go ahead when you go ahead and you have to force teams like the Rams to actually have to keep two guys deep the whole entire time. It sets up so much stuff when it comes to the run game. You can't bring another safety down to try to help and support. And you also free up a lot of your other weapons that you have on this offense. And when you lose a guy like that, I think you can start seeing teams doing what they did toward the end of the last season, starting to go ahead and bunch things up near the line of scrimmage, which makes a lot of things a lot things a lot tougher for guys like for the running game when it comes to the short passing game, which is extension of the running game in some aspects. So I think and then another thing, I forgot this too. You you don't you lose that big play returner now in the, when it comes to the uh when it comes to punts and kickoffs too. I think you lose when you lose Rager, even though he struggled early on, he was going ahead. He always had that danger he's going to use the speed to at least get the team in better field position. So I think there's a lot of aspects on this team when it comes to the offense and field position. Now you have to start to look at this way with his loss. Yeah, Chris, I, I think the special teams aspect of this can't be lost either um, with Rudy Ford and Rager both going down. It seems like they're losing two of their prime contributors, especially in the punt return game, both in coverage and returning. So I think, um, look, overall, this is not a great look. And then you go to left guard where Isaac Samalu has really been kind of, you know, a fixture of the offense. Now they've got to figure out who's going to be their starting left guard. And, you know, Doug Peterson uh, immediately replaced him with Matt Pryor on Sunday. He was all right, but Peterson failed to give him a strong endorsement on Monday or on Wednesday. Uh, you know, they could consider guys like rookie Jack Driscoll, Sua Opeta, and even the new guy, Jamon Brown. Brown's got experience at left guard. He's obviously played in 60 games. He's the veteran, but he's still learning the playbook. You've got Pryor, who they just don't seem to have a ton of faith in as a starter, but maybe it's also that they don't want to lose his versatility coming off the bench. They're very big on not moving multiple guys around when there's injuries. And so having him being able to play four positions is kind of a luxury. So that way you don't have to move everything around. I think on top of that, when you lose Sayamalu, you lose your true backup center. And so Herbig would have to move over anyway. Um, there was talk about him potentially moving to left guard and then prior to right guard. I don't know if I really like that. I thought Herbig did a very good job at right guard. I don't really know why you'd make the offensive line weaker in two spots. Um, where are you at with the left guard position? I don't think it'll be. I think I w I'm not opposed to the le moving Herbig over to the left spot at all. I think when you look at prior when he's done his best, I think he's done better on the right side next to Lane Johnson. And I think if you get Herbig, he's still young enough. I still think Herbig is is able to go ahead and play that guard position a little bit more. I think when you look at a tackle switching from one side to another, especially when it comes to that leg, kicks a lot tougher than when you have an interior lineman doing something like that. And I still think uh, that Pryor has the ability to go ahead and be a decent starter. Uh, he's got some of the tools. He's, he's, he's basically interior lineman. He's definitely not a tackle, I think. In the long run, he's better at guard. So I think – Moving prior over to the right side, I have no problem with that too. And I think Herbick is still filling and doing on the left side. Driscoll, I've you know, not yet to see him play guard at all. So I don't want to completely rule this kid out. I think he, he could, I mean, he's a good athlete. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I still see him more as a right tackle itself, which you're going to need a swing tackle. And Jamon Brown, I know he plays mostly the right side, but it's going to come to how well has he done in his crash course for this Eagles offense. So I'm, I'm, Pretty much, I'm right now. I'm for Herbig playing left guard and then having Pryor play the right guard. 
See, my issue with that is you're losing a lot of athleticism there. Isaac Samalu is maybe your most athletic, believe it or not, might be your most athletic offensive lineman. Uh, and then you're putting two guys out there in Herbig and Pryor who have stones in their shoes. Like, I just don't <laughs> think it's like a, no, I mean, I, look, I get why they have been slow on the draw for Matt Pryor. It makes sense to me. I just kind of don't, I don't, I'm also not in favor of taking away that versatility from the bench. I think like when you look at, like you said, they need a swing tackle. I'd rather have Driscoll at left guard because of his athleticism, because he does have experience at the college level at left guard. I also think he showed that he's got the strength and intelligence to play in the interior line. Um, And I'm just not in favor of moving Herbig after he just silenced Aaron Donald at the right guard position. I just think, for young guys, the best thing is to just keep them where they are, especially if they're a starter. Um, I know it's, you know, going back to Driscoll, you're moving his position, but he also worked at left guard during camp, according to Doug Peterson. So I don't think it'd be that big of a stretch. I just really think with Matt Pryor, he gives you a luxury of not having to switch multiple positions when there are injuries. And so for me, I'm not trying to switch Matt Pryor to convenience, or, or sorry, I'm not trying to move Nate Herbig to convenience Matt Pryor, who has been passed over several times for a starting job. Um, but moving on from that, uh, you know, we, we went into the defensive struggles on our last show. I mean, those are crystal clear. We talked about Carson Wentz, but now that Carson Wentz doesn't have Jalen Rager, now that Carson Wentz doesn't have a, a familiar left guard, um, things just keep getting worse for him and he needs all the help that he can get. And that's why I think this team needs to really focus on making Miles Sanders the centerpiece of this offense. Where are you at with the running game kind of taking over and kind of allowing the offensive line to settle down and let Carson Wentz kind of be a bit more of a game manager? Well, I think right now that's a good – I think it's a good idea to go ahead and initially early on in this game, especially against Cincinnati, to go ahead and start the run, to go ahead and get everybody settled in and to use their aggressiveness. The best – when it comes to offensive linemen, by nature, they love to go ahead and inflict their own pain instead of having to keep going back and absorbing pass rush after pass rush after pass rush. That's why when you see them throw the ball 45 – see the Eagles throw the ball 45, 50 times, it start to look like, okay um, – where's a little a little bit of the balance in that and i think especially now being that you don't have rager and you don't have anybody like basically all we have right now is Deshaun jackson who can be that deep threat right now hightower is still a little green in my opinion i think you're gonna have to go ahead and set up use the use the run game effectively to go ahead and set up that play action pass to go ahead and try to suck those safeties up a little bit more and the linebackers to open things up even more you're gonna have to do that now and when it comes to Sanders himself, he's going to have a big, big, uh, big. The onus is going to be on him right now for it. You're going to have to go ahead and find creative ways to use it. You might have to go ahead and use him, line him up as a receiver, just for the fact to try to get a mismatch to lose the out the basically the output in the production of Rager. So I think when it comes to Sanders overall, you're, you're, they're going. I'm going to put the onus on that. That brain trust of Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, Rick Scannarella, and Marty Morningwick—they're going to have to find ways to creatively get him open, get him the ball, so that way eight, nine, eight, nine guys are not in the box, and basically everybody's keying on him because nobody else can get open or or be effective. 
Yeah, I think that transitions to the start of our, our, our Bengals preview very, very well. Um, so let's start with that, with the running back position. So here's some good news. The Bengals are third, have given up the third most rushing yards in the league at 370 yards in just two games. 370 rushing yards in two games. And they've been in both those games. So it's not just like a bunch of, you know, empty carries at the end of a game to run out the clock. This is them just getting gashed. Uh, they have a bunch of inexperienced linebackers who they drafted this year. Um, they've played well, okay in coverage, but for the most part, the run game has just been awful. Um, they're in the bottom five of the league in yards per carry allowed, yards allowed, um, plays of 20 or more yards in the rushing game. Uh, and they just like overall, oh, and they've also given up four rushing touchdowns. So this is being served on a platter for Miles Sanders, in my opinion, who looked very good outside of his fumble. Uh, you know, I mean, if how can you not salivate if you're Deuce Staley watching this film? You can't, because remember how last week we were talking so much about eye discipline and having the having to go ahead and be dis- and basically look at and not look in the backfield when you're wa- when watching that Browns basically the Browns Bengals film all you saw were these guys getting sucked up into the play action because they actually Joe Mixon was going ahead and gashing them left and right and they also were rolling out a Baker Mayfield like when you go ahead and you have a run game an effective run game Cincinnati doesn't do great very well at all for it they always you see all of a sudden you see everybody suck up and then you see when it comes to the way the defensive ends line up they almost line up in a wide nine at time and so you have those natural gaps in the defensive line. You have linebackers, like you said, they're inexperienced. That just sets up everything so well to go ahead and run the ball and fix this run game right now for the Eagles. And Sanders has to be looking like, okay, I see this here. I can see a cutback lane here possibly. He has to be jumping at this this opportunity to get this this run game and this offense right this week. Yeah, and, you know, people forget, like moving on to Carson Wentz, look, Miles Sanders was their most – you know, consistent deep threat last year, they hooked up for eight plays of over 20 yards. So I I think you're going to use him all around, especially if he's torturing uh, the Bengals on the ground, moving him outside and having him run wheel routes. I mean, he picked up three catches for 36 yards against the Rams. The guy has the ability to catch the ball and move. Um, I think that can help Carson Wentz settle down. I think, you know, they introduced some two back sets uh, get Boston Scott out there with Miles Sanders and you have two options. I mean, look, I, I think, you know, putting Jalen Hurts out there kind of confuses the defense and then you can hammer it home to, to your tight ends. They're going to have to re- look, this is not very different than last year. They're going to have to rely on their tight ends and their running backs. And they've been running a ton of 12 personnel. That's one running back, two tight ends. Um, more than more so than basically anybody in the league. And it's not really working all that effectively, but they've got to enhance this, this rushing attack. They've got to be able to use Miles Sanders as a decoy in space. They've got to use Jalen Hurts that way. They've got to use the screen game with Boston Scott. I think if they do that, they can, they can build a sizable lead against the Bengals and hold on to it for a while. As good as Joe Burrow has been. Um, I look, I'm going to ask the former quarterback, what have you seen from Joe Burrow? What do you like about his game? Why do you think the Eagles secondary could be in trouble? Well, the one thing I think that gets lost when it comes to Joe Burrow is his effect, his ability to use his legs a lot more. I think everybody talks about his arm, his decision-making, his poise in the pocket, 
his ability to scan the field, even as a rookie. I think that's been doing really well. But one thing that he's been doing is he's basically going ahead and uses his legs, moving outside that pocket. And he's even when there's nothing's there, he's actually going ahead and running for about seven or eight yards, a la what Wentz used to be able to used to do a lot. And I think when you go ahead and you have these receivers that he has, when you have the AJ Greens of the world, when you have the Tyler Boyds of the world, when you're able to go ahead and use your legs to extend his plays, and you have these guys who who I think pretty much now they're pretty much all possession receivers, in my opinion, personal opinion. But you have these guys to go ahead and, and you get, get even the, an inch or two of separation with their big bodies. You're going to go ahead and make a lot of plays downfield. And I think when you look at what this Eagle secondary is looking at, they're not the biggest people on the outside. Avante Maddox and Nickel Roby Coleman, they may have a little, uh, maybe a little tough for them to go ahead and uh, when you're going up probably against Boyd or Higgins. So I think it's going to be, you're going to have to see, like everybody was talking about, you won't be concerned with Avante Maddox with his size. This is going to be the one of the biggest tests that he's going to have because if I'm Burrow, I'm going to start looking towards towards his side a lot, lot a lot. I want to go ahead and test to see, hey, you know what? I'm going to go against a 6'2 guy versus somebody who's around 5'8", 5'9". Okay, I'll go for that. I'll take that matchup any day, especially especially rolling on the outside. So it's going to be a good test to see where the secondary is against a very mobile quarterback, a mobile-esque quarterback, not very mobile like Lamar Jackson, but a guy who can use his legs well enough. I mean, you look at how profile – Pro Football Focus has graded Avante Maddox and Nicole Roby Coleman. It is not pretty. Uh, Nicole Roby Coleman's given up 100% completion percentage. Uh, he was terrible against the Rams. Um, you know, I know you wrote about him going up against Cooper Cup. That matchup did not go very well for him. And you can kind of <laughs> see why they passed on that option. It's so weird because he had such a great camp and he just has not looked very good. Uh, it's a concern for me, uh, like you said, with Boyd. Look, they've got they've got a bunch of weapons. They, they love using their big wide receivers. I actually wonder if Darius Slay is going to line up against Boyd as opposed to AJ green, who I don't think is as mobile. Um, I don't think his springs are what they used to be. Uh, I mean, you could double team AJ with Avante and a safety like Mills or, or McLeod. And then you could just have Slay travel with Boyd. I think that would be my strategy. Um, look, they don't really have very good tight ends. Uh, Joe Mixon's good, but if they can shore up this running game, um, you know, and prove that the last couple of weeks have been an exception and not a rule, I think that they're in good shape there. I'm trying to be as positive as possible here, uh, while still giving you (laughs) as much objective analysis as possible. Um, look, I think this is a good matchup for the Eagles, but I also thought that that the Rams were a good matchup for them. And I think, you know, they overthought things. Jim Schwartz has done historically well against rookie quarterbacks. I think he'll have a complex plan. Um, I don't think he'll set up his linebackers to fail the way he did in this previous game. Look, he took the onus on him. He said it was on him that he had too simple of a game plan, and it actually made it more difficult for his individual players. And I respect how he handled that. Um but again, I, I think like the Eagles have an opportunity here if they can ride the Miles Sanders wave, if they can get some stops. They need to create turnovers. That's the issue. Um, you know, they got one turnover off special teams when TJ Edwards made a heads up play on the Cooper Cup return. But like really outside of that, they haven't been able to produce turnovers. And I think that that's killing them as well because they're also coughing up the ball. They've given up a total of six turnovers. Um, five of those 
or from Carson Wentz. He really just needs to protect the ball. You, you know, you, he says that he doesn't really take into account what people write or say about him. Maybe he should, uh, because while we have not played quarterback in the NFL, note to Doug Peterson, um, <laughs> I, I mean, like the problems are kind of obvious. And frankly, if I'm a defense, I'm waiting for Carson to be baited and make a mistake. You know, let's let's talk about Carson a little bit. Two games where he's been kind of deplorable. Uh, he's been I wrote he's been inadequate and immobile. Like, what's your what's your take on where his headspace should be at? How do you think that he should be used in this game? Come on, quarterback, give me some some pointers. <laughs> well, I think the first thing when it comes to you look at the game plan itself. When it comes to him, you're going to start going ahead and you're going to simplify it and just go back to the basics. You're not going to try these exotic formations. You're not going to, except for maybe the Hertz thing, but you're not going to try these exotic route combinations. You're going to go ahead and just keep it simple. Go go ahead and do the quick screens. Go ahead and do the slant routes, the basis of this, of the, of this offense. And then one thing that I think he should go ahead and start doing a lot more as well too, he seemed to get in the rhythm as well too when they used to run the RPOs, the run pass options too. It gets them in the rhythm and I would go even – take a step further i go a lot more no huddle too it just seems like he's in his element when he's going just basically he's not really having a lot of time to think and another thing i think he has the second thing i think he has to do is i think he admitted it as well too on that interceptions in the end zone to goddard when they were driving and they and they had a chance to take the lead he admitted he tried to go ahead and try to force that and i'm starting to think you mean you mean jj JJ, sorry yes sorry you're probably probably, yeah jj is taking a white side i apologize for that but when it goes ahead and you're trying to go ahead, I think he went ahead and tried to go to force things. And I think he's feeling the onus right now that since his offense is not doing well, he has to go ahead and try to will it, will its way towards it to being successful. And there's times you can do that. And there's times you just go ahead and just play within yourself. And when you know you're, when you know you're not performing very well and you know, you're trying to go ahead and keep pressing, it just, it snowballs and you don't want to see that coming from a guy like that. So I think they have to go ahead and, when it, I think he has to go ahead and just settle down and take what the defense gives him. He did that for a much of the first half, and he did all right with it. Is when he started trying to really, really trying to press, it, it, it started really going downhill. So I think if he go, if they go ahead and just go back to the basis of this offense, run a little RBOs, and I think run a, even more no huddle just to go ahead and try to get him comfortable again. I think he can at least be back somewhat to where he was and then just i want to see him <laughs> i actually want to see him go ahead and run the ball maybe once or twice and actually we know he's not going to slide but if he has to dive quickly down towards towards uh once he's done there i just want to see him use his legs more to become more of a threat and keep the defense off balance yeah i think he's become a tempo thrower and i think if you can run tempo early and build the lead he doesn't need to press like i think he plays a lot of hero ball and that's his main issue um and so look he hasn't really taken a lot of shots when the defense has given him stuff look greg ward's only averaging six yards a catch um you know john hightower has one catch for minus two yards jj single whiteside hasn't caught a ball yet uh deshaun jackson's played relatively well he's actually been open a lot more than you think and carson just hasn't read him in the progression um Zach Ertz is averaging less than nine yards a catch. Uh, Dallas Goddard's average has dropped after the Rams game pretty significantly. I mean, he he's not taking shots downfield. Um, 
Like, I think at this point, outside of Jalen Rager, uh, their highest, like, yards per completion guy is Miles Sanders, who averaged 12 yards a catch. Um, that's not great. Uh, you have to figure out ways to make him more comfortable. And maybe now that Miles Sanders has got his feet under him, you design more plays to get him downfield, maybe run, you know, seam routes down the field, uh, get him matched up on a linebacker because you know he can beat him. Um, let's remember, Miles Sanders is known as a very good runner, a very good pass blocker, and a very good receiver. That can help your passing game significantly because the running game, obviously, if he can eventually, you know, draw some attention away from Deshaun Jackson, the passing game, that'll open up the deep threat opportunities. Uh, the blocking game is tremendous, as, as you saw in week one. Having a running back who can pick up protection is paramount. And then obviously from a receiving standpoint, since you know he can block, having him out there as a receiver, you know, allows you to use him in, on all three downs. I think Boston Scott's going to be playing better as a rotational piece, as opposed to the guy, I think he's not an every down back. Uh, I'd like to see some Corey Clement in there. Maybe Jason Huntley sneaks into the lineup as well due to, you know, the need to kind of bring some more speed to the offense. Also with Rager out, maybe he becomes the punt returner or, you know, Boston Scott becomes the punt returner and you make Huntley the kick returner. I just think they need a spark on special teams and a spark on offense. And you have to kind of, figure that out i think with rager out they're probably going to promote deontay burnett who had a tremendous camp but again i don't know what necessarily he's going to bring to you know the field some guys are just practice players like jj single whiteside apparently is and other guys are gamers and i you know look jj it's now or never time for this for last year's draft class it's kind of unfair that they're put in this situation where the first round pick is on ir uh the first second round pick is coming off an injury and is basically going to have to be the focal point of the offense. And then their other second round pick is yet to catch a pass despite, you know, 18 games of experience and already Jalen Rager has half as many catches as he does 16 with 16 less games. Like JJ's got to do something, you know, it's hard to rule him out. Like I, I'm not in favor of calling him a bus from the jump, but like, this is a week he really needs to play well. This Bengals defense isn't very good. Their secondary is pretty small and he should be able to make plays in the red zone. Like this is it's time. And I think for, for Carson Wentz's benefit, they need to start lobbing some passes in that red zone. They need to lob passes to JJ single Whiteside because frankly, they have no choice. So Chris, what are your final thoughts heading into week three? And then what's your prediction for the game? Well, I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to, I just got a weird feel on it. It could be really ugly. I just think that it's going to be one of those things where both teams move the ball with from the 20 to 20, and then they either settle for field goals or then you'll get, or you get something really weird or wacky to happen. I'm not feeling as if this is going to be the, Hey, you know what? This game is going to be an Eagles blowout or anything else like that. And I'm not getting feeling that, the Bengals are going to completely dominate. I, I see matchups I, that Bengals offense against this Eagles defense. The way they're able to, they were able to run the ball against the Brown. It makes me worry about how this linebacking core is actually going to hold up. I want to see the defensive line actually, you know, get some pressure, especially against a rookie quarterback. I, I mean, you have all these resources into this line, and I, I look right now for they better 
this better be the game that this defensive line gets right and gets pressure. Because if not, you can't do this against the Bengals. It's just going to be they, – they, they may find themselves surprisingly only three. But I think overall, looking at this way this game goes, especially with just uh, – I can't believe I'm going to say this, this last. I still have the Eagles winning, but I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think they had a 24-20 to 20 or something like that. It's, it's going to be one of those weird games, especially with not te- both teams not playing each other that much. It, it, it's going to, it's not going to be a great afternoon, uh, Sunday afternoon football. I just have that weird feeling. Yeah. I also have the Eagles winning reluctantly. Um, I have them winning 27 to 23. Look, if they win 27 to 23 against a winless Bengals team, nobody's going to be throwing them a parade. Nobody's going to ha- feel like the season's saved, but at least it'll be, you know, at least it'll be a positive, I guess, in some sort. Um, look, the Eagles need to win this game. They know they need to win this game. I think, as I've said several times, using Miles Sanders to do that is the right move. You're not only, you know, establishing the run, establishing the offensive line's rhythm, you're protecting Carson Wentz, but you're also managing the clock. You want to keep Joe Burrow off the field. You want to keep the Bengals' offense off the field. And I think if Miles Sanders can just run wild on the Bengals, which we've seen two other running backs do in previous weeks. uh, Look, I I think this will be a good one for the Eagles. It'll be a win. It might not be a blow away win. And I I would definitely take the points if if they're still six point favorites heading into the weekend. Um, But yeah, so I've got the Eagles winning. Look, you guys can, if you have any questions, sign up for Eagles Extra. You can sign up via nj.com slash text. You can also write your comments below on YouTube. Subscribe and, and download us wherever you can download podcasts. Look, this has been a rough week for the Eagles. It might not be getting better, but we'll still be there with you throughout the season. We aren't going anywhere. Uh, for Chris, I'm Mike. We'll see you soon.